Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is true. Help me by your Holy Spirit to speak your words of truth this morning, that it will reach the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or you've spoken to me over the summer, you would know that we bought a swimming pool. And it was much anticipated, much wanted by the girls, especially our three girls. Um, we, yeah, we were so excited about being able to take a nice cold dip in this hot summer weather we've been having. When the girls saw a big box underneath the Christmas tree, they were really excited. Um, their expectation turned to slight disappointment when they found out it was a trampoline, but, <laughs> but they didn't give up hope. When the time came to buy the pool, we got the girls to help us set it up. They complained that we had to put it in the sun for an hour, and then they complained that they had to wait quite a long time for it to fill. Then, unfortunately, we noticed it was on too much of a slope where we'd put it, so they complained that we needed to drain it, move it, and then fill it again. However, while it was filling, we thought it was all good now, by the way, but while it was filling, we noticed that there was a leak, that the water was covering our yard. It was very disappointing. We'd spent a considerable amount of time and money on something we thought was going to work. Our girls trusted us when we said that they could swim that afternoon. I trusted in the brand. I counted on the shop that we bought it from. In life, we count on many things. Perhaps like me, you trusted a certain brand because Consumer Magazine said it was the best, only to find out and be disappointed when it fails. We count on our friends and our family to help us when we ask. But if you're like me, asking is pretty hard in the first place. So when they say no, or they don't have the time for you, you can be pretty disappointed and maybe even ask if they really loved you in the first place. We count on our job. We hope in our salary to pay the bills. But what happens when we become redundant or fall sick or can't work? Then we become disappointed that we can't provide. We count on our work colleagues to be loyal and trustworthy, but sometimes they end up lying and cheating, which is so disappointing because we're trying to do the right thing. We count on the media to tell us the truth because that's their job. We count on leaders to stay true to their word. And when we've placed celebrities or other leaders that inspire us up on a pedestal, it's so disappointing when we find out there's some moral failing. We even count on ourselves to be everything to everyone. And this is especially true as a mother and a wife. But who knows, like me, we can feel so disappointed when we don't meet our own expectations of ourselves. We all feel disappointed when we've devoted time, effort, and even finance to a cause that ends up failing or to people who deliver false expectation. 
let's face it, it's not much to hope for in this world. Disappointment, which is defined as the feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by the defeat of one's hopes or expectations, it will come at some stage. No person is truly trustworthy. Everyone lies at some point. People can take advantage of you and their position over you. Sometimes we can even be disappointed with God. And this was the case for Mary and Martha. Their brother and them were close friends of Jesus. And in John chapter 11, it says that Jesus loved them. Let's pick up the story from verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So what does Jesus do? He stays where he was, at Bethabara, which was about 30 miles away from Bethany, or one full day of travel. Days pass, and Jesus still hasn't showed up. I'm not sure about you, but I would be pretty disappointed. Lazarus dies, his sisters are distraught. You read on from verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary, to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary also shared her disappointment in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The two sisters were disappointed that Jesus didn't come straight away. They expected Jesus to heal their brother from his sickness because he loved him. Perhaps a conversation started between the sisters, something like, Jesus said he loved Lazarus. Perhaps he was too busy to come and help us. Oh, maybe he only just hung out with us because we served him and we poured expensive stuff on his feet. See how easily disappointment can turn to sadness, frustration, and even bitterness when we entertain lies. But, thankfully, they didn't allow the bitterness to take hold. Did you notice what Martha does when she hears that Jesus is coming? Instead of letting her disappointed feelings get in the way, she goes out to meet him. Yes, she tells him of her disappointment, but the key is in the next thing she says to Jesus from verse 32, 22. Sorry. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She's counting on God to exceed her expectations. She knows that God will do the right thing. She's placing her hope in Jesus' word. The story continues. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, 
I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me even will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come, come into the world. So I want you to get this this morning, church. Martha begins to count on Jesus again because she knows his word is true. You see, the sisters were disappointed because they were focused on what the world said to them. Their well-meaning friends and family that may have said things like, well, he didn't come. He mustn't have loved you. Death is so final. Oh, you must feel so sad. Moses also had reasons to be disappointed. First, he was disappointed in people. His expectation that the Israelites would understand what he wanted to do for them was not fulfilled. Instead of being embraced by his brothers, he wasn't supported by them. And second, he was disappointed in his circumstances. After years of privilege and education in Egypt, he certainly had never dreamed that he would possibly spend the rest of his life tending sheep in the desert. What a discouraging and disappointing future he seemed to have. And today, we become disappointed for precisely the same two reasons. When we set our hearts on people or in circumstances to tell us the truth of what we should think or do, that's when we're usually disappointed. But God wants us to set our hopes only on him. He wants us to trust his word, even in the midst of deepest disappointments. For the disappointed Mary and Martha, Jesus, the word of God, comes, speaks, and exceeds expectations. Lazarus is raised to life. Disappointment disappears. For Moses, he had many encounters with God, but the one where he heard God's voice in the burning bush was powerful. When Moses had asked his questions of God, God proclaims in Exodus 3 verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Do we believe that God's word is truth? Do we believe, like Martha, that God will exceed our expectations? Do we count on the words of the world or on his word? There's another person in the Bible who did this. King David. And he also had many situations in his life when he was bitterly disappointed. And the Psalms are full of, sad, of his sadness and frustration. But he always managed to hope in God again. Psalm 42 verse 5 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Psalm 130 verses 1 to 5 say, From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, 
I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. God doesn't disappoint, and he actually can't disappoint us. It's not part of who he is. We become disappointed when we listen to the world. The world tells us lies and gives us false expectations. And it's not that the people in your life mean to do this, and they don't mean to disappoint you on purpose. It just happens sometimes. We live in a fallen state. King David knew the secret. We can count on God to tell us the truth. Jesus is the truth, as it says in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, one of God's moral attributes is righteousness. This, alongside holiness, love, and faithfulness, a tribute to God's character and shows us how he relates to us. Righteousness is the holiness of God being applied to his relationship with us. Now, our fallen world sees righteousness and turns it into ego. The world sees holiness as whatever truth you're feeling at this moment. But God's righteousness is just and perfect because of his holiness. This means his word is truth. John 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He asks his Father to sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In John 8, verses 31 and 32, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is saying here that if we hold on to his teaching, if we count on his word, we will know the truth, and that truth will set us free, including being free from sadness and frustration and the disappointment in our lives. So what does this all mean for you? God doesn't promise to take away the feelings of disappointment because unfortunately we live in a fallen world that is bound to disappoint us at some stage. But he does want us to count on him, to put our hope in his true and unfailing word because it will never disappoint us. He wants us to come to him and talk about our disappointment just like Mary and Martha did, just like Moses and King David did. There's a postcard signed from God on the wall of the church office that Kay gave us. And it says, I don't mind if you yell at me. At least we're talking. Signed, God. He wants to exchange our disappointment for fulfilled expectation. He's done it before, and he can do it again. Now, a friend of mine who's in ministry was becoming increasingly disappointed in herself over her finances, feeling like she never had enough. She recalled a time when she even got angry at God, quoting Luke 6 verse 38 at him like he didn't remember it. God, you said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Now I pay my tithe. Where's my good measure? While her disappointment seemed valid, I mean, she had scriptural truth on her side, 
God was wanting her to focus on the truth he wanted her to learn in that season of life, which actually was from Hebrews 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And I think the thing with counting on the truth of God's word also means being ready to get a little uncomfortable. Remember what it said in John 8 verse 32? The New Living Translation says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sometimes the truth stings a little, mainly because it touches a hurt in your heart or deals with a flaw in your character. This is why knowing God's truth through scripture is so important because God is in the business of growing us to be more like Jesus. And that means that in some disappointing situations, we may need God to let us know the other side of the story, his side of the story. God's word is living and powerful, as we're reminded in Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's not enough to pick and choose the verses we like. We need to count on God to tell us his truth in love. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. (laughs) She's saying to have hope in his word, we need to know it. Oh, she's going to make us recite memory verses. Well, maybe that's a good idea. Most of the Bible verses I remember started off as memory verses in my Sunday school days. But if we find our memory isn't what it used to be, there are other ways to learn scripture. Bible verses are part of songs we sing on a Sunday. And this hope is an anchor for our soul. That comes from Hebrews 6 verse 19. You are the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. That's actually taken from John 1, verse 1. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain is a line from the song, This is Amazing Grace, and comes from Revelation 5, verse 12. We also have the benefit of the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides us into all truth. Listen to John 16, verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Can I encourage you and challenge you today to open your Bibles, whether it's a physical book with pages or an app on your smartphone. It might even be a scripture sent to your inbox or the word for you today that you hear on the radio. Whatever way you read his word, really open your eyes and ears and look at what God is saying to you. Look for the ways he's bringing hope to your disappointing situation. Now, I know the Bible is a big book, so if you're finding it hard to find a place to start, I printed out a card for you to take away today. And it's a little reminder, see if we can give it out later. And it's a little reminder to count on God and his word. It has five days of short scripture readings 
that will take you through the book of Hebrews, because I think Hebrews is a really good place to start if you're looking for somewhere to start, um, highlighting the truth of his word. So church, our swimming pool was replaced with a new one, but not because we decided to count on the shop, but because we counted on God's word in Ephesians 3 verse 20. Mary and Martha saw their brother raised to life because they trusted God's word. Moses knew the sting of God's truth, and King David knew the love that comes through talking to him about our disappointments. When our friends and family disappoint us by doing the wrong thing, by acting out in a way that isn't them, which causes us to worry, we can hold on to Philippians 4 verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. When we're disappointed with the lies of the media and the unjust acts of people, we can hope in Proverbs 23 verses 17 and 18. Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. When we're feeling disappointed in ourselves because we can't do everything and we can't be everything to everyone, we can remember Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What will you do when disappointment comes? Can I encourage you? We can overcome disappointment by hoping in the truth of God's word. Disappointment disappears when we have his word on our mind and in our hearts, when we count on and hope in him. In Romans 5, verse 5, it says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we count on God by believing in his word, our disappointments disappear. When we ask the Holy Spirit to help us by bringing scriptures to mind when we need it, our disappointment disappears. We can count on him because he loves us and his word is truth. Imagine how free our life would be if we counted on the truth of God's word through every disappointment. Well, let's stand as the worship team comes. If you're facing disappointment today, how about we lift our hands to heaven as we pray this prayer. God, we want to believe in your word. Holy Spirit, teach us to count on God again and prompt us each time we're disappointed to look to the Bible and to Jesus, the word made flesh. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.